Coach, it seems like five weeks have flown by as we gear up for the fifth game before the open week, before the game that I know that everybody in the greater Austin area and maybe even the state of Texas is going to talk about. But the history lesson about Austin High, the rivalry, you mentioned this last week that the kids are excited to play guys that they have grown up with, guys that they know very well, and they sent a message to Austin High on Friday night. And more importantly, the message was sent from everybody on the roster because you got into that situation early where you got to see a lot of kids play. Your assessment overall of the performance against Austin High? Our players were very excited about going into that game. Always loved playing at House Park. Uh, always loved playing in front of the Austin High student body because you you know you're you're going to get called out. Our kids have gotten to the point where they that fuels their fire, so they, that's fun for them. The competitor in them. So thank you, Austin High. We appreciate that. The next thing is they had really good practices and defensively uh, we got great pressure on the quarterback early in the game to create really good field position and then we were able to just execute on offense and the first part of the game was was a, a true testament to our goal boards of kick it out the side of the end zone, go th- force a three and out, uh, block a punt, score on the first possession, score on the first play. So there were about six goals hit in about the first four plays of the four or five plays of the game. So that was it. And that was one of my favorite parts of our conversation last week of going through the goal board and, and using a, a real-time scenario and then being able to come back just now and come back in quarterback club on Tuesday and go through that whole process over with actual events that occurred. And it's really starting to come into focus for people that maybe they kind of have an understanding of what that means as far as how the goal board pertains to a plan to win. But for anybody that might be listening for the first time, there's another way to prepare for layman this week, and that is to just focus on the goal board. They don't have to look forward. They don't have to look back. They can be in the moment. It, regardless of who, who we're playing, you know, whether it's non-district, whether it's district, whether it's the playoffs, our kids are learning how to stay in the moment. Our kids are learning how to not look forward. Our kids are learning how to focus on the things that we can control, which, you know, I think any, you know, high school, college or professional football coach would say is pretty important, you know, is to take inventory of things you can control. Well, for a 15, 16, 17 year old kid, you know, how do I do that? Okay. Well, let me show you how. Pay attention to this play, this three play, this five play window and do the best that we can in this increment. And uh, after you string enough of those together, you win games. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. You're going to find out in games three, games four, maybe even game two after Cy Ranch, that some of the guys that are supposed to play well are going to continue to play well. Their play will elevate. But now you're starting to see the younger guys who played on the JV last year or maybe played on the freshman team a year ago that are starting to come into their own. Carter Barksdale, sophomore. Uh, Christian Fournier with the most productive defensive player. That kind of motivation, it's more of a sense of I belong here. And I think Christian had that moment you know, when he got to play a lot a couple of weeks ago, and now he got the opportunity to play even more this week and comes away with a fantastic performance. A lot of those guys that are coming into their own and having their aha moments. And what's it like for you as a coach to realize, hey, they belong here, and more importantly, they know they belong here? Well, this particular year that we're in right now, we're having a lot of guys show up earlier than we have in the past. Guys that uh, that were inexperienced four or five weeks ago that real quickly have started playing like they belong on the varsity level. Yeah, so proud of Christian. He did a wonderful job last week just being physical. And that's an area that he needed to work on, you know, from a tackling standpoint, you know, being a sure tackler. Lucas continues to play well. Uh, Michael Taff has allowed us to move Leo Lowen closer to the ball because his play at corner. 
Carter Barksdale is a guy that's going to be a really versatile guy because we're training him at corner. We're training him at safety. As we go into this week, we have moved Jax Crockett to cornerback, and we're allowed to now uh, build some depth at cornerback. He's still playing running back, but we've worked him at cornerback to build depth for the for the future of this season. And with all of that said and done, Bobby Duncan, Austin McClendon, their crew just continue to play really, really well. You're also seeing on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive line starting to mature. We talk about the leadership that Connor provides, but you're starting to see Manolo Bustamante, who we talked actually after the spring game was over with. And I said, you know, if there's one guy on the offensive line that you were surprised with, and it was Manolo. And going into a spot that has been a cherished position uh, over the course of the last three years, the evolution of the offensive line based on the opponents they've faced and how they are starting to work together. What's that like going into week five? Manolo is replacing maybe the most valuable player on our offensive football team over the last three years. And that's saying a lot. There's been a lot of really good players. But, you know, we always talk about replacing quarterbacks, but replacing centers that uh, were that good a player. And he's he's really starting to come into his own. Uh, the other one on the offensive line that's, as far as his production, is Aiden Kennard. You know, Aiden, at some point, he knew I'm, I can't just be a big old guy that doesn't mean that I'm going to be a good football player. He is a humongous dude. I mean, he's 6'4", he's 310 pounds, and he's starting to play really, really well. He's, his flexibility has improved. I mean, his quickness has improved. Uh, his technique has improved. Very, very proud of him. You've got Connor, who is, you know, he's kind of the steady Eddie out there, you know, with the guy that's uh, got all the experience. We talk about Lehman, obviously, with a bye week. They've had a couple of weeks to prepare for this. They've settled on a quarterback with Logan Travis in a situation that you know a lot about is trying to find that one person that can help you move the ball and execute a game plan. There's one thing that you know about Lehman, they're going to run the ball, and they have talented people. It's an interesting situation because of where they are in school expansion, which is something that they cannot control, uh, numbers, which is something that they cannot control. But to have 60 to 65 guys on your roster and most of them be underclassmen, this is a youth movement here for Coach Salmon and his staff to try to figure out who's going to be able to play and coach. Some of those sophomores and juniors can absolutely play. Yeah, well, it looks like Bruce has the same kind of philosophy I do. I'm not not hung up on chronological age. If you can play, uh, you can play. I don't care whether you're 15 years old or you're 18 years old or in some of our case if you're 14 years old <laughs> but if you can play you can play last year we have a really good sophomore class and last year as freshmen they were a really good freshman football team layman gave us more trouble than any team that we played at the freshman level last year they were as talented as anybody else that we played and we actually just snuck by with a win late in that game so a lot of those guys are playing on the varsity they're not hurting for talent at Layman. Their numbers, and again, very well said, they can't control that. Uh, but uh, number 15, running back, number 8, running back. 22, the defensive back, number 1, Malay, the uh, free safety. I can go on and on. 20, the linebackers are physical guys, 32 and 33. We've got to stop the run. I really believe that they're going to they're gonna get off the bus and they're going to probably blitz us before they ever uh, get on the field. It's gonna, I think they're going to line up, try to go straight man coverage, and, and blitz the heck out of us, and that's something we got to be ready for. In 34 years, you've obviously been a part of staffs or led a staff that had nothing to lose. Layman's in that boat of, hey, you know what? I'm going to load my guys up and put every athlete I've got on the field. There's danger in that for good football teams in this district. And I think one of the things that's motivating for your ball club is your ability to spread that message and, and use the goal board, yes, but say, hey, look, this guy can bust it for 88. You have a freshman in Jaden Brown who can 
pick off Charles Wright and take it the other way or pick off any quarterback in this in this district and take it the other way. So the idea that there are serious retributions that would come for loafing and for taking plays off. Well, and again, very talented and our and our players know that. When the game starts at 7:30, you know, we don't get a 14-point lead because we're 4-0. We've got to go play. You know, if we lose the game on Friday night, it's because it's going to be because Layman has whooped our tails and they've earned it. You know, we're not going to play bad because we've disrespected them anyway. We've had a great week of work. I think it's going to be a great test for us because of the athleticism uh, that they put on the field. And uh, we're looking forward to the challenge. Final thought, Coach, you're a one for history. And we talk about the history lessons that you give to your players. Ken Dabbs' name is on the field house. Ebby Neptune's name is on the field. You have great respect for Coach Trader and Coach Long. All of the history that's wrapped up in this place, probably not in the moment, but very soon after the moment on a 12-yard catch, Mason Mangum becomes the all-time leading receiver in yardage at Westlake. And he's going to add to that total for the rest of the year. The response really from the locker room after the kids all figured out that, that Mason had accomplished this goal. Uh, what did that message sound like to them when you got to tell them that, that he had broken the record? It was brought to my attention soon after the game, and then I mentioned it to the team. I congratulated him in front of the team. I'm not sure the team knew exactly why I was congratulating Mason. I really wanted to save that to the next morning when it was just the team there. And I, yeah, I made a pretty big deal about it because, um, you know, one, Mason Mangum is everything that as an athletic director that I'm trying to get done here at Westlake High School. We don't have enough dual sport athletes. You know, we don't have enough people that are willing to play two sports at our high school, much less three sports and excel at them. And he is. And I, I respect him. I uh, respect the family. And uh, he's a varsity basketball player. He is a state ranked hurdler and long jumper. And he is an elite wide receiver and elite wide receiver in the history of Westlake High School. And uh, he's one of those that would uh, would never want all those accolades or anybody to make a big deal. And it makes, makes it even more fun to, to congratulate him. And the, the fun thing about him is that uh, we're only four games into his senior year and he's got a lot more to give to the Westlake Chaparral. We talk about legacy. I think it's important to use Mason as an example because we've talked to Matt Kelly, Connor Kelly, Matthew Sams, guys that have the ability to recognize leaving a legacy doesn't necessarily mean leaving marks in a record book. It means this is how I play. If the guys behind me realize how I play, that's leaving a legacy too. Is that message spread as well? Well, it absolutely is. And because, you know, at the wide receiver position, you know, a lot of teams, people, you know, look at that as a prima donna position, you know, a, a high maintenance position. And yes, he has caught a ton of passes and a ton of touchdowns, you know, throughout his career. But I would ask someone just to, to just focus in on number 11 and the way that he blocks for his teammates. That's not something you see in a lot of times in elite wide receivers. But the ones that kind of are prima donnas, sometimes they're too cool for that blocking stuff. He's showing the way. It's been contagious to the rest of our wide receiver core. Proud graduate of the Jackson Coker School of Blocking, right, Coach? That's exactly right. Jackson Coker will be back also. We're looking forward to it, Coach. Thanks so much for the time. Good luck. Thank you all so much.